is wonderfully and fearfully made, which means that we are very complex. And it seems to me that we are interlinked with the physical, the spiritual, the emotional and mental issues, together with relational connections. And because of those things, living a whole spiritual life is a lifelong learning process. And today, I want us to understand that to be whole spiritually, we need to recognize that sometimes we need help. We need strong relationships, and we need to make sure that in the dimensions of our life, physically and emotionally, we're doing the best we can to live healthy lives. Today, we're going to look at a prophet who was highly anointed of God, but something happened in his life that caused him to spiral downwards. To live healthy spiritual lives, all of us need some help and a good dose of God's grace. Have a great, great day. Wow. Wow. What a morning we've had so far. It's been absolutely amazing. And there's a real sense of God here in the, in the room. So um, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to sharing this message with you this morning. And from all the messages we've had, all the, the prophecies, the words, I, I really feel like God's got a message. It's all, it's all the same thing. So... Right, so we're part of our wholeness series. If you'd been there, you would have seen the spectacle. You would have heard the cries. And you would have seen and smelt the blood. There was a standoff between the Old Testament prophet Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal, like a big, fury, wilder fight. The mighty prophet Elijah sets up a simple yet incredible contest, which involves three things. A cut-up bull, an altar, and a prayer to your God to set fire to it. The 450 prophets of Baal, they can go first. They set up their altar of wood, nicely flammable, and with shouting and wailing, they call on their God, Baal, to set fire to it. But nothing happened. They started shouting, screaming, lamenting. They started cutting themselves with swords and spears, which is what they used to do. Nothing happened. The smell of blood, the bull's blood, the human blood, all mixed together. Nothing. By the evening, even Elijah joins in. You know, he's like that other heavyweight fighter. He's full of it. He's mocking them. A curl of the lip, a show of the guns a shout of mock encouragement. Try harder. Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe he's gone on holiday. Maybe he's having a quick flick through Facebook. Where is he? Nothing. They got to the end of the evening. Absolutely nothing going on. The dancing, the lamenting, the shouting, the wailing, the noise. None of it brought back their God, Baal. So now it's Elijah's turn. With all the cockiness and the sass, he's in there. He's in the other corner. And he arrives. He builds an altar, not only out of wood. He gets great big stones. He's going to make it difficult. He adds the bull. And then he adds a moat. You know when you're on the beach and you make a sandcastle and you make a little moat around the outside and, and you're hoping that the sea will come in and fill the moat. All of that. He's got it all going on. And then when he's ready, he calls on the living God. With a majestic prayer, he asked God to come down and show the people to turn back to him 
and this is what's hap what happens. Most of you know the story. The fire burns up the lot. Bull, soaked altar, you name it, the lot's gone. The people turn to God and start to declare that he's Lord, masses of them. The 450 prophets of Baal, they're slaughtered. Okay, if I'd been Elijah, maybe I would have missed that step out, but that's what Elijah did. They're gone. Elijah predicts rainfall after three years of drought. That's where he was with God, and that's the relationship he knew with God. And finally, he's filled with the Spirit, and he runs faster than a horse in front of the king's chariot, yet even faster than JP and Matt on an early morning uh, stroll, and races ahead of the king's chariot all the way back to Judah. This is the prophet Elijah, and this is a mountaintop experience to beat all mountaintop experiences. It's a literal and a metaphorical experience. Have you ever had a great event in your life? Maybe a success at work, a promotion, you've passed an exam, you've planned a great holiday, a trip. You know the feelings of joy and elation that come from it. Imagine now your greatest spiritual experience. Maybe it was when you first met Jesus. Maybe your baptism. Maybe you prayed for somebody and, and God showed up. Maybe you were at an event, a one event, an XL, a Cherish. You know that feeling. Those feelings of elation are now enhanced by your feelings of harmony with God. You are feeling those feelings of spiritual wholeness, which is exactly what Elijah was feeling in the moment after his great battle. So this is where we start the third week, the second week of our wholeness series. And this week we're looking at spiritual wholeness. We're going to look at the 1 Kings 19 passage immediately after that great big event I've outlined. And some of you may be thinking, why are we going to look at the bit after? Well, because sometimes after a, a mountaintop experience, especially when God's involved, we can find ourselves overwhelmed with negative emotions. We can end up feeling depressed, afraid, confused frustrated, even angry. It just doesn't seem to make sense. Why am I feeling so low? When why do I feel so bad after something so good? Do you know what? It doesn't just happen to Elijah or pastors on a Monday morning. Actually, it doesn't even just happen after a big mountaintop experience. It can and does happen to anyone, and it can be after a little hilltop experience, particularly if God was involved. Have you ever felt like that? Did anyone experience a little bit of that this week, maybe after finishing one of the fasts or having something else go on in your life? I found out this little known fact recently. More people die coming down Mount Everest than they do reaching the peak. There's something about the time after a mountaintop experience, literal or metaphorical, <clears throat> that causes us to feel low and depressed. We do know about the physiological responses in our bodies. We know about adrenaline. Those of you who are athletes know about adrenaline pumping, pumping, and you're left exhausted. We know about the um, endorphins, the serotonin, the dopamine that gives us that lift, 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 and then we feel depleted. And we're starting to realize that our spiritual lives, our physical, our mental, and our emotional lives are all linked. It's often called the seasons of life. 
We have the highs, we have the lows. But you know what? As Christians, we're not exempt from the pressures of life, as we heard this morning. But God doesn't promise to remove us from those pressures. He promises to be with us. Jesus says this to God the Father when he's praying for us. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And I genuinely believe here Jesus is referring to our spiritual wholeness. Because actually the enemy is constantly trying to rob us of who we are with God and the fact that God is on our side. So we need, thank you, we need to make sure that we do all that we can to make sure we're well and healthy so that we can get in a place where God can do the bit that he does. We're complex beings, and as the Bible put it, Stuart reminded us, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We can swing from being a devoted believer on the mountaintop one minute to being under pressure, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually the next. The story of Elijah is a powerful affirmation that God sees us, he uses us, And he cares for us, even when we're at our lowest and most broken. So our passage today, uh, which should come up on the screen, uh, goes like this. I'll read it for you, uh, but please feel free to read it in your your own Bibles or on the screen. It's 1 Kings 19. It's the bit immediately after the mountaintop experience. Now Ahab, that's King Ahab, told Jezebel, that's his evil wife, everything Elijah had done. And how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them, i.e. killing him. So Elijah was afraid, afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face 
and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, actually the same thing. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholoah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bound down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Wow. So we started this morning with that picture of Elijah, the heavyweight fighter, there with his God in that close relationship with him. But we start this passage with this incredible prophet of God, whose life and ministry is built around his relationship with Jesus, oh, with God, sorry, lying afraid, suicidal, and exhausted under a tree. How did this happen? Well, we know that depression, anxiety, and mental anguish are not signs you're a bad Christian. Maybe some people in here are feeling exactly like Elijah, frightened, anxious, alone, maybe even suicidal from time to time. Maybe you know someone who is feeling like this. But you know what? God doesn't want you to feel like this. God's heart is for you to feel spiritually whole. God's heart is for you to be able to say, it is well with my soul. So I want us to look at a few points from this story, sort of to avoid and to give us some pointers as to what to do when we feel like that and finish up with some pointers for us to take away. So point one, and I'll go through these quite quickly. At the beginning, we could call this passage Elijah on the run. And we could call it man of God in meltdown. Either would be fair. Either way, it's the point where Elijah lost his spiritual wholeness. So point one, be vigilant after times of success. Elijah had had this most amazing victory, followed by God, allowing him to state all kinds of things, do all kinds of things, and claim all kinds of things. But you know what? This is often when we're most vulnerable. For all our physical reasons of depleted and exhaustion, for all our emotional reasons, it's when we feel most vulnerable. Telling ourselves we shouldn't feel like it is no good. It's just not helpful. Telling someone else they shouldn't feel like it isn't helpful either. We simply do feel like it. But what we can do is be vigilant. What is it that's likely to catch me out when I feel like this? Point two, this was for Elijah, but it is for many of us. Be aware that evil words carry great power. Do you know what? They carry more power when we're feeling low. The evil Jezebel, do you know what? She'd already previously slaughtered all, almost all, of the prophets of the Lord. And then she threatens to kill Elijah. Do you know what? I'm tempted to quote my mum here. Because whenever mum talked about bullies or we complained about something at school, my mum used to say, you and whose army? 
Just say to them, you and whose army? I know that's an old-fashioned, I won't say put your hand up if you remember that expression. But that's literal here. You know what? The prophets of Baal had been slaughtered by Elijah. And Jezebel was actually alone. But Elijah, on the other hand, he had God on his side. Remember David in front of Goliath? God on his side. Remember when Sam Palmer shared that wonderful story about a bully coming up to him? And a big friend came back. A mate came and stood behind him and the bully ran away. Do you know what? We've got a good mate behind us. A great big mate and he's called God. But at that moment, Elijah had that big mate as well. Elijah didn't remember. What did Elijah do? He felt the power of the curse and it overwhelmed him. Do we still live under the power of things said over us? Maybe when you were told, uh, when you were a child, that you weren't going to be any good. Maybe it was as, in, as innocuous as you'll never be any good at maths or geography. I knew somebody who said, Jonathan does well to find his way home. <laughs> Maybe we've had words like that said over us. But also... Maybe it's something more powerful. Something that sits with you even now. Maybe even as a young adult, somebody has said to you something like, you're stupid, you're no good, you're worthless, you'll never amount to anything. The power of hurtful words or court curses said over us yesterday can limit our effectiveness today. Those words can hang over us like a shadow and cast a darkness over what we're trying to achieve and what God wants us to achieve in him. Point three. Note that fear and anxious thoughts can cause us to run and hide. I don't know if you feel like this when you're feeling a bit low, but a lot of us feel like we just want to get away. We just want to isolate ourselves. Elijah legs it off into the desert at top, top speed. Do you remember what Ben was saying last week about fear? He gave us loads of lovely stats that I can't really do the stats, but I can remember the message, which was a lot of our fear, a lot of our thoughts are quite negative. And actually, a lot of our thoughts are based around fears and things that never actually happen, that we waste our time being worried about what might not happen. Elijah at this point had lost sight of who God was. He'd lost sight of who he was in God. And consequently, he ran from him and he hid from his relationship with him. Point four, don't face things on your own. Talk. Elijah left his servant, not just for a bit. He ran 40 days further on. I mean, I, I struggled to run half, a, half an hour, but he really went for it. He ran away. There's no way anyone could catch him. Don't leave your friends, your family, your connect group, your church. When somebody or something has been said over you, because fear and anxiety have gripped you, because the thoughtless or hurtless words of others have caused you to isolate yourself. That's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. It is not where God wants you to be. God wants you spiritually whole. Point five, don't underestimate the need for physical health. What happened when the angel found Elijah? He was absolutely exhausted and suicidal. So the angel didn't tell him to do this, that and the other. The angel just cooked him a meal. And I know for some of us it's been a fairly sparse meal. This was a fairly smart, sparse meal, bread and water. But I tell you what, the angel told him to have that meal and then rest. Not once, 
but twice. Our mental, our physical, our emotional, our spiritual lives are linked. We're asking ourselves at the beginning of the year, aren't we? Resolutions. What does my life look like? What are my routines like? Am I eating well? Do I look after myself? Do I take regular exercise? Do I get enough rest and sleep? Or am I constantly running around, running away? Our physical, our mental, our emotional, our spiritual lives are linked. Don't neglect the physical. And finally, point six, don't spend long in your man cave. Now, I always laugh at this because actually we have plenty of woman caves as well, don't we? Um, you know, there's all sorts. You can think of your own woman cave. But actually, Elijah ended up alone in a cave. Today, we don't get ourselves in a physical cave. But I tell you what, sometimes even putting our headphones on puts us in a cave. Sometimes looking at your phone screen sends a signal to your loved ones and your family. Don't disturb me. I'm not available. I'm not present. Has your mobile phone or something else become your man cave? Are you in the moment with people or always somewhere else? Try not to self-exclude when you feel low, because actually it's what we all want to do when we feel low. But allow others in, even if they just sit alongside you when things are tough. So I really think we need to remember that God wants to strengthen and bless us. There's this wonderful verse, I have come to give you life, and life in all its fullness. That's what God wants and has for you. There's another verse, a new commandment I give unto you, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Three times, love one another. And I absolutely loved what James and Emily had to say. People reaching out to them when they felt low. It may be that you, aren't, you don't have that sort of mindset that feels low very often. It may be that you even struggle to understand people who feel low around you. You may think, I don't get it. Their lives seem fine. How do they struggle? I don't get it. Would you know what? Ask God to help you to understand how others think. Ask God to see them as he sees them. And ask him to see the world as they see it. Because I really think that it's only when we try to understand how others experience the world that we can truly love them. And if Jesus has told us to love us others as ourselves three times, then you've got to, got to believe it. There's something in that for each of us. So Elijah's effectiveness for God doesn't end under the lonely broom bush. There's more to be done, and God plans to use Elijah to do it. God eventually shows Elijah that God is not found in the loud, the noise, the busy, the earthquakes, the wind and fire, but in the still small whisper. God then sends Elijah off on a pretty important mission of anointing others. God still needs and wants to use Elijah. He still values him and loves him, even when Elijah can't see it or feel it. So thinking about our application for today then, spiritual wholeness, what does that look like? 
More importantly, what does it look like when we feel we've lost it? God doesn't leave Elijah in his loneliness, and he doesn't leave us there either. When God had sent his angel to give Elijah food and water, he said this, go back the way you came, and it gives him a job to do. I sometimes think that could be, go back to the relationship you once had with me, says God. And I believe that as a Christian, you can start and return to your own spiritual wholeness um, in many ways. I just want to list three quickly here. The first one is to remember how loved you are by God. Even when you can't see it, you can't feel it, remember how loved you are by God. Secondly, remember how much God wants you to be in fellowship with him. Even when you can't see anyone else, God hasn't forgotten you. He still sees you. And thirdly, how God has a plan for your life. We've heard it this morning. Even when you don't feel that there's a plan for your life. I've got three verses I'd like to share with you. The first, Jesus says this to you. If this is you today, Jesus says this. I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will never go hungry. And who believes in me will never thirst. We've seen how we need to feed our physical bodies We need to feed our spiritual bodies, and Jesus gives us that food. The second one, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Many of us know that verse really well, but you know what? We do need rest. Our physical bodies need rest, but our spiritual selves need rest in Jesus. And the last one is from Jeremiah. We know it. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Elijah had hope and a future after his meltdown. God has a hope and a future for you too. But I tell you what, few people go on to the second bit of that passage. And I think it's really relevant here. God says this, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity, whatever your captivity is, however you're caught up in your low feelings. That's what God promises us all. Sam, could we maybe have some quiet music? Thank you. Finally, reconnect today with God. And talk. We've heard that passage coming all the way through this service. God loves you so much and he wants you to experience spiritual wholeness together with the other aspects of your body. If you're not sure how to do that, come and see one of us. Go and see your connect group leader. There's a prayer team at the back. Come and get some ministry. I've forgotten. I've forgotten what that means. I've forgotten what that spiritual wholeness means. Because God longs for you to speak to him and to listen just remind you again God says when you call upon me come and pray to me and I will listen to you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart I will be found by you declares the Lord and I'll bring you back from your captivity God is our friend our counsellor and our heavenly father God's final messages to Elijah I'm not found in the wind. 
I'm not in the earthquake, the fire. We could say I'm not in the bustle, the busyness, the demands on our lives. God says I'm not in the doing. You will find my quiet, gentle voice in the stillness, in the being. I just long for you to be with me. So let's close our eyes and pray. And if, you, if that's you today and you want to hold out your hands, it doesn't matter, nobody's eyes will be open. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart or your mind. He's longing to bring you the joy and peace that you so desperately need. We sang, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Lord, I can't make this on my own. I recognize that I need you in my life. I know that your Holy Spirit is speaking to me right now, and I surrender. When I feel that I'm not enough, I know that you are enough. Release me, Lord, into the wholeness, the spiritual wholeness that can only be found in you. Help me, Lord, to reconnect with you today through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' powerful name.